<laughs> I'll need that. Thanks. Thank you. Good morning, church. And a blessed and happy spring month. Like uh, Pastor Grenz has said there. Um, everybody is looking so fabulous this morning. And uh, we remember Pastor Bevan and Sister Zuei in Peter Maritzburg. We keep them in our prayers as they continue to minister and build the kingdom uh, out there this morning. Amen. Amen. We've just come through a mini-series of Genesis. We were extremely blessed by Pastor Bevan and um, last week by Pastor Herschel um, as well. Already gotten such testimony, um, you know, just of what that seed, that deposit of seed um, does in our lives. And, and that's the... the the ever-changing Word of God. You know, it's, it's, it's always the same. It's um, creating a change on the inside of us. Amen? And that's why it's so important for us to sit under the Word. So this morning, I'm trying to figure out this device. This morning we're going to be doing what we call a palate cleanser. We going from books of the Bible and then as we complete those series go back to a book of Psalms and we've been in Psalms 1 and 2 and this morning we head into uh, Psalms 3 so thanks Layla so we've got the title the Psalm the, the Psalter which basically means the book of Psalms. But before we do that, let's just have a moment of prayer. Father, we come to you this morning just so thankful and grateful that we can be found in your presence. Lord, we, we take so much for granted. We go to bed at night, we wake up in the morning, and so many of the time, or so much of the time, we just automatically feel entitled to another day, feel entitled to another second, another minute, another hour. Lord, this morning, we just come to you to recognize you as God, recognize you as our maker, our creator, who has put breath in our lungs. Father, our very lives depend on you, whether you say another day or not. So Lord, this, this morning, <clears throat> we give everything that we do to you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you go before us, that you lead us, that you guide us. We thank you, Lord, for a special time in your presence this morning. And we pray, O oh Lord, that even as I share from your word, that you would anoint my lips and just go before me, Lord. Let me not speak what I would want to speak, but let me speak according to your Holy Spirit this morning. Father, you know your people's hearts. You know what people are going through. You know, you know the need, Lord. I pray this morning for fertile ground that you would speak 
to that need in the mighty name of Jesus. Rebirth says amen, amen. and amen. <clears throat> Thanks, Chato. Um, this morning, and uh, I just want to say such a well done to our worship team once again. Uh, such a well done to our young drummer, drummer boys. Uh, I don't know if, uh, ah, there he is. He, he's already saying, no, don't. Uh, don't. <laughs> My brother, the last time uh, I, I was uh, giving some honor to you, you were already gone. So I'm blessed to see you there, Octavian. Thank you for all that you're investing um, within our kids. So this morning, like I said, uh, going into the Psalter, which is the book of Psalms, and then heading into specifically Psalm 3, and um, I've termed it our deliverer. Okay, so the origin of the word psalm, the entire collection of psalms is actually entitled Praises in the Hebrew text, or the Book of Praises. The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, has actually labeled it psalms. Correct. So the Greek verb, um, which is salo or psalmos, actually refers to the plucking or the twanging of instruments, of strings. Okay, so it implies that there is a musical accompaniment to the text that we see. So Psalms is really not that type of word that you're supposed to be sitting very quietly like this with. It's an expression. It's a song unto the Lord. Okay, and that's how we want to look at the book of Psalms. While most of the Old Testament needs to be understood in the light of the New Testament, for the most part, Psalms can actually be taken uh, very and used very directly. Uh, there's a timeless quality to the Psalms, and they can be easily applied to the Christian walk. Relevant for the here and now, simply put, for our lives. Okay, so Martin Luther says about the Psalms, In the Psalms, we look into the heart of every saint. John Calvin says this, In the Psalms, we look into a mirror and see our own hearts. It is the most human part of the Old Testament that everyone can identify with, with our everyday lives that we are going through right now. You know, just, just spending time in the book of, uh, in, the, in, the, in the word of Psalms again has really reignited my love for the book of Psalms because it's so practical. It is about our everyday lives. One commentary states this, in the Psalms you may find instruction about what God is like and how God deals with people and the world. You can learn about the human predicament and human possibilities in a world populated by the powerful and the lowly, the wicked and the righteous. You can learn about the conduct of life and how that affects its outcome. You will, you will be taught trust and the language of trust prayer and praise, which we will see today in, in Psalm 3. Through this book, God will give you strength in adversity, gratitude in success, penitence in guilt, and thanksgiving in 
forgiveness. Amen. The overall purpose of the Psalms is to engender the proper praise and worship of our God. So we've got 150 Psalms in uh, total and all of these are divided into five books. Okay? And they are compared to the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. Let's just make sure we've got the... Okay, there we go. So we've got book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. And those are the divisions, as you can see um, on screen. The books, like I said, are aligned to the Torah, the Hebrew um, text. And the emphasis or the context of the five books is as on screen right now. So book one, um, related to or compared to Genesis, as we can see, the emphasis of mankind's relationship with God, God, man, and sin. And then book two, related to or compared to Exodus, the deliverance um, by God, taking the Israelites, his chosen people, out of Egypt. Book three, related to Leviticus, termed the sanctuary of God, teaching us how to worship and how to obey God. Book four that we have um, is related to numbers. We see the rebellion against God. Remember the Israelites um, taking this so-called short journey not learning lessons in constant rebellion all the time and spending 40 years in the wilderness. Doesn't it kind of sound like our lives sometimes? God keeps on taking us through the same lesson you haven't learned. Let's just do it again. We still haven't. Can you imagine learning the same lesson for 40 years? Okay, and this is what happened in book four. So remember, like I said, these are representations through the books of, of, of Psalms as you're going as to what you can get, the context of it. Book 5, related to Deuteronomy, covenant renewal with God, where you have the Israelites on the plains of Moab, and they reconnect and re... You know, Grenville, Grenville spoke about the covenant now, where they make this covenant with God before they go into the promised land. Not a contract, a covenant. I speak to Grenville for more on that. It's a really, what a blessing that uh, you guys are going. We're keeping you guys covered in prayer for that um, marriage course. God's idea of what marriage is about and not our own. So we really cover you on that. Dean is smiling because we know where we've been on that. Amen and amen. So what I've actually done is... I've gone a step further where this is concerned, and what you'll see on screen is um, I've taken the subject headings of the first psalm in each of the five books, okay? And you can see this um, shaded in green, shaded in red um, as we go um, all the way down. Book one is called, uh, the first psalm in book one has a title called the way of the righteous and the end of the ungodly. Book two, yearning for God in the midst of distress. Book three, the first psalm there, talks about the tragedy of the wicked and the blessedness of trust 
in God. Book 4, the first psalm there says, the eternity of God and man's frailty. And book 5, the first psalm there says, thanksgiving to the Lord for his great works of deliverance. So in a nutshell, what you're seeing here is life on earth, okay, inside of God, outside of God, the consequences of all of that, but all of it still pointing to God the Father. Okay, so we, God's love allows us to still live life on here, on earth, but with choices. God's love allows us to make a choice, but there is consequences for the choices that we, we, we make as well. We see in the book of Psalms, man's opportunity to express himself to God. Okay? We see expressions of joy, of pain, of, of sheer frustration, of anger. Anybody felt some of those before? Yeah. Okay? So anything and everything that we've experienced before in terms of emotion, you'll find it in the book of Psalms. There is nothing that, that you and I are going to feel that is going to be new, okay? It is covered in the book of Psalms. Here we presented with the crossroads of life. Trouble may come, but peace is in our Lord, amen. Now, I hope you can see that. This is a picture of a house from uh, one angle. If you look at the house from the other angle that you might not be able to see right now, right? On the other side looks all perfect, all in tune. But this angle that we're looking at looks like a lot of destruction happening, right? And a lot of the time we go through our own lives kind of like this house. On the other side of the street where it looks all good, we've got the shiny suit on, we look together. We are walking about with a smile on our faces and there's turmoil on the other side. There's a breaking down on the other side happening. Now I want you to keep this picture in mind. I want you to keep this picture in mind because when we go through Psalm 3, okay, you'll see that if God is involved, there's a reason for this turmoil. There's a reason for the breakdown. It's called the providence of God. If, 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 and when God is involved. Amen? So, as the slide says there, Psalm presenting the opportunity to study the nature of God embedded in our daily Reality, Our day-to-day -day reality enables us to see the providence of God. Psalms was Israel's daily hymn book. This is what they daily sang in their praises. There's close to 70 specific references to Christ the Messiah within the book of Psalms. Okay? There's a whole trail pointing to the Messiah. A prophecy if you if you would have it so we see that 
Psalms or, or, or is revealing Christ and is fulfilled in the New Testament, basically. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples here, but I'm not going to go to eat into each and every one of them. Zoe is not here to, to, to check on time today. I've, I've, I've said to Bernice, she must um, do that. Um, so if anything, blame her. All right. So we've got to see Christ in everything. Christ is our Messiah. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We've got to look for Christ in everything. And in the book of Psalms, Christ is written all over. All right, so here we see the hymns of prophecy, which are then later fulfilled in the New Testament as well. Here's an, uh, an example. The, the Messiah's birth. The Messiah will come from the lineage of David, spoken about in Psalms, Psalms 89, and then fulfilled in the New Testament. So, Psalms 89, verses 3 to 4, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to, uh, to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. And then fulfilled in Matthew 1, verses 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of of Abram. Amen. So if we look at the recognition of the Messiah within Psalms, once again, the Messiah will be the Son of God. Psalms 2 verses 7, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And then fulfilled in Matthew 3 verses 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So there's a couple other examples. I'm not going to read the entire scripture. You can take them down um, uh, if you like. So Psalms also talks about the Messiah's resurrection. Okay, In Psalm 16 verses 8 to 10a and fulfilled in Matthew 28 verses 6. The Messiah's exaltation um, as well in Psalms 80 verses 17 and then Acts 5 verses uh, 31. So we've got, with, like I said, within Psalms, the Messiah's birth, the Messiah's name, the Messiah's ministry, his betrayal and death. Did we miss a couple of them here? So, Messiah's birth, recognition of the Messiah, his ministry, his betrayal and death, his resurrection and his exaltation. So, like I said, what we are seeing in the Psalms is already prophecy to be revealed in the future. An exciting time. They were singing and prophesying and praising about a Messiah that was to come in the future. Each one of the books of Psalms ends with a doxology, okay? And we've, I, th I think it was in the book of Jude where we, we did this, the, the, the doxology and what the structure is. So in a doxology, end of each book of Psalms, you're going to have uh, one of these similar type. So you're going to have the structure being the person that is being praised, the word of praise, the indication of time, and the word amen. And here it is, 
the, the, the doxology at the end of the first book, blessed be the Lord God, okay, the person uh, being praised as well as the word of praise, blessed and be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, indicating the indication of time, and amen and amen. So even the doxology is pointing to God the Father for all eternity. Okay, so we continuously look for the Father in all of this. Amen. Right, so Psalm 3. That's just a quick, very quick overview of where we need to be to get us to Psalm 3. So Psalm 3, um, like I termed, our deliverer, and I'm going to extend that title a little further, our deliverer for the temporary as well as for the eternal. Temporary talking about what we're experiencing right here, right now on earth, but with an eternal focus in mind. Amen. So the superscription of the... You can turn to Psalm 3 in the meantime. I know the last time uh, uh, Pastor Bevan was trying to look for Psalms, it took him a while, so I'm going to give you a, a head start. Um, you can look for Psalms 3 in the meantime, and we will get into that in a bit. So the superscription in Psalms 3 talks about a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Okay, so just to give you a bit of, of, of background or setting there, Absalom, David's son, is in rebellion um, of David the king, and he then leads a band of people who is influenced, and he's now threatening the very kingship of David, the very rulership of David. David then flees with some of his subjects, okay? He flees into the wilderness. But we've got to go back. What has actually happened for David and Absalom, well, Absalom to, to, to come against David in this manner? And what has brought about this? Why has God allowed this, we could say? So, just to give you a bit of background, we all remember when David was supposed to be at war, and he wasn't. He was at home in the comfort of his palace, looking out onto all of the, the, the beauty of the land, and what does he see once again? A beautiful babe bathing, okay? Beautiful babe bathing, and... Here, David, who was supposed to be at war, looks upon Bathsheba and, I want Bathsheba. And being the king, goes and gets what he wants. So David commits adultery with Bathsheba. Okay? It, was, um, it was worse because Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah, one of his trusted soldiers. Okay, we remember that he impregnates Bathsheba. We remember that uh, Uriah comes back from war. David tries with all his might to cover up the sin and tries to get um, Uriah to go and be with 
his wife to cover up the sin that David has committed of adultery because she is now with child. Uriah, being the loyal and faithful servant that he is, is refusing to go and have the comforts of being with his wife whilst the rest of his regiment is fighting very valiantly um, on, on the fields, on the war fields. So we see here David is in a bit of a predicament. Okay, so there are immediate and future consequences for what David has done. There's, there's consequences for what we do. Amen? There's, there's forgiveness, but there's consequences. We can't separate the two. God is a forgiving God. God has died for our sins, but there are consequences to the decisions that we make. David finds out exactly what those consequences are. So, 2 Samuel 12, verses 11, this is the judgment of of God against David. Say consequences. Remember that. There are consequences. There is forgiveness for sin, but there are consequences for the decisions that we make. So 2 Samuel 12 verses 11 says, this is God speaking judgment against David. I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. I will raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your own eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. My God. What David had done in secret is about to be exposed for all to see according to what judgment God has just given here. The evil that David had done to another man's family, therefore, would be imparted onto his own. He would be reaping what he, would be, uh, what he had sown. So, there's the judgment that, that God has pronounced over David. And we see how this plays out in future. So David's sin does not only have consequences for himself, but it's passed on to the generations as well. Okay, so we see David's sexual sin here. The consequences are, and let's just discuss who these people are. So Absalom and Tamar were brother and sister from the same mother. Amnon was their half-brother. Okay, he was their half-brother from another mother. So David had many wives. So the sexual sin here, we see the half-brother Amnon desires Tamar and decides to rape Tamar. Okay? So David's sexual sin continues in his own family. Remember, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. Okay, this is within David's own house that this prophecy is now, or this is coming, uh, coming to, to pass. He kills Uriah. His own son murders his other son. Okay. He betrays his own soldier. His son betrays him as well. What David did in secret with Bathsheba, the Lord says, 
here your wives before your own eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. We see that Absalom goes and lies with David's concubines in, the, in public for all to see as well. Consequences of what he has done. All right. The beginning of the, of the, of the psalm in Psalm 3 says, The Lord helps his troubled people. You know, the problem is we often seek God for our daily troubles. And only our daily troubles. Our focus is, is, is so on what happens here on earth. But we don't have the godly focus for eternal. We're so focused on our immediate pain right now. When we look at this, the Lord helps his troubled people. We don't see all of these things that lead to death. The sin that leads to death. We want to be saved from our immediate circumstances. Not understanding what God is doing in the background. We want God to clean that house with the mess. But we don't see why God is creating that mess for you in the first place. We need to have a God perspective on why certain things are happening. God is God. So Psalm 3, are you there? Amen. So Psalm 3 is a psalm of prayer. A psalm of prayer. So this is how it reads. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah. God bless to us the reading of his word. Amen. So, very easy for us to see by the superscription that the author of the psalm is David. David has written at least 73 psalms out of the 150 that we have here. The genre of this particular psalm that we've just read is called an individual lament psalm or a complaint psalm um, from the psalmist himself. But he's not only complaining um, where the psalm is concerned. Can you see how sometimes it's, it's, it, it can be a bit dangerous to just go and pick one verse out of the psalm? Because if you read there for the very beginning, Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. Many are they who rise up 
against me and we stop then we think life life but it doesn't stop there he's not only complaining he also provide or provides a a divine uh, means of god coming to the fore when we are faced with what we are faced with he is sharing an inspired strategy for overcoming persecution, for overcoming those trials and tribulations that we have in our lives. Okay, these things that are common to man. The basic themes of Psalm is living life in a real world, but with, in, with two dimensions happening simultaneously. Okay, so the dimension of the here and now the temporal, our horizontal experience, the joy and the pain of that, and the eternal, the supernatural that is happening at the same time. So whilst we are endure, enduring and exposed to what it is that we're exposed to here on earth, God's people are supposed to live lives of joy and being dependent on God. How many of us can actually say that that's where we are at? Because as the house that we saw is, we see the pain for the here and now. Where's our focus? Our focus, truthfully, is more on the pain and the question why. And we stop at the complaining part. But here in the book of Psalms, the psalmist says, hey, hold on. Yes, there's a complaint. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's going to be things that are going to happen to us here on earth. But, but, there is another way. There is another focus. There is another way for us to look at this. Okay, so in the book of um, Psalm 3, we actually have, is this still working? In the book of Psalm 3, we have a, a mindset that is brought to the fore. And I love this because uh, Dida will, will, will tell you, this is, this is a Pastor B mindset. And I'm talking about Pastor Billy mindset, where he says, in this too will I trust the Lord. Amen. What a powerful mindset to have. I've, I've, I've spoken to Pastor Billy when things are good. I've spoken to Pastor Billy when things are not so good. I've heard the same confession. In this too will I trust the Lord. This is exactly what David was basically doing in this psalm. My question to you and to, to, to myself again today, when we are going through what we are going through, do we declare that? In this too, will I trust the Lord? Or is our focus on the rubble? Sure. Is our focus on what is breaking down? Where is God amidst the trouble? Sure. The big idea here in this, in this uh, particular psalm, it has a clear focal point. Intimacy with God brings confidence in life. Intimacy with God is going to bring about a different focus on life. You're going to have a different filter on life. We look at God and not the situation. Amen? So 
the structure of the lament or the complaint psalm, as we can see on screen, is to address or invoke or call on the name of the Lord, a cry out to God, as we see in um, verses 1. So you're calling on God. Then there's the complaint or the lament. What are you talking to God about? Shown in verses 1 to 2, the crisis is defined or the complaint about what actually is wrong. And then expression of trust or confidence in God from verses 3 to 6. So we see, and like I said earlier on, that we have a cycle happening here and it's very dangerous to just stop at the complaint. Okay, so he calls on God, calls on God, tells God what his complaint is, but then shifts his focus from what the complaint is and shifts his focus to God. And then petitions God and then praises God and gives him glory. So what we are presenting to you today is an inspired strategy an inspired strategy for the turmoil, the pain that we might go through in life. We cannot stop here because this we do very well. This we do so well. Actually, that makes up a third of the, the Psalms, by the way, interestingly enough. Do we have the mindset of Romans 8.31? If God be for us, who can be against us? In the midst of our term, it's very nice to say it now, right? Yeah. It's very nice to say it now. If God be for me, who can be against me? Until we stand in the midst of the rubble. Until we stand in the midst of the trouble and the turmoil. But here is a way for us to change the narrative. Let's petition God, let's praise God, because He is faithful. Amen? Amen? This particular structure of the lament psalm is also, by the way, seen in Psalms 22. And if you remember Psalms 22, it's, it's also a Davidic psalm, but it's a, a messianic psalm where David, the psalmist, is literally giving a portrayal of Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay? The same way, in that Messianic Psalm, verse 1, he invokes God, calling, My God, my God. In verses 2 to 11, he complains to God, Why have you forsaken me? In verses 12 to 22, is his prayer or his petition to God, saying to God, Help me, deliver me. Save me. And then from 23 to 31 is the con uh, consists of praise. That's all to do with uh, Psalms 22. So the structure that you see there also gives you the structure of the lament psalm that we see on screen. In David's fleeing from Absalom that we saw, remember David leaving the palace, going into the wilderness, we also see a representation of the messianic journey. David being portrayed as a type of Jesus Christ as well. So in 2 Samuel 15 verses 23, it says, And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. 
The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron, and all the people crossed over towards the way of the wilderness. This is David going with his subjects that were loyal to him into the wilderness via the brook of Kidron. John 18 verses 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden Gethsemane. And remember, that is where he was arrested. Okay? That is where he was arrested, and this is where God um, Jesus Christ entered into extreme, extreme, extreme um, trial and tribulation. We see here both kings an earthly and a heavenly king betrayed by those closest to them. Okay? A journey that they go on to save the people and to restore themselves as king. So God being restored to the throne is also for our good, as we saw it um, with David. Him being restored to the throne was good for his subjects that were following him. Amen? Jesus Christ on the throne for us, us exalt him, is good for us. There is good for the king being on the throne to save us, his people. So if we're going to look um, at Psalm 3 today, we've got to look at Psalm 4 at the same time. A.F. Kirkpatrick says that the third and fourth Psalms are closely connected and should be studied together. The one is a morning hymn, after a night spent safely in the midst of danger, the other is an evening hymn when the danger is less imminent but still there. Okay? The danger has not passed away. The spirit and the circumstances are same. They are resemblance of language and of structure. So what is prevalent in Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 is David's mindset once again. David's mindset... David goes to sleep. David goes to sleep and he wakes up mindful of God. The danger has not disappeared, but his focus is not on the danger. His focus is on God, not his problem. David's lifestyle which is coming to the fore over and over and over and over again here. David's lifestyle is a God-focused lifestyle. I'm going to hurry along. My wife is showing me a, a phone. Okay, Zue. <laughs> so, very quickly here, just a Psalm 3 and a Psalm 4 comparison. We see that Psalm 3 is... The morning hymn, uh, Psalm 4 being the evening hymn as it's taken. And we see the same format as we did for the complaint structure that, that, that we spoke about earlier on. So when we look at them, we look at them in conjunction with each other. So I'm going to move on very quickly to just talking about the verses that we've just read. Verses 1 and verses 2. Lord, how they have increased who troubled me. Many are they who rise up against me. So David is not only thinking about Absalom, but he's also thinking about his trusted counselor um, who's also turned against him. So here are, 
these people were the closest to him. Okay? The closest to him. And now they were influencing many others as well against him. How often does this sound like real life? You know when people are against you, they don't come against you as one. When people are against you, they will go and find um, a company. Go and find company. They will go and, let's talk about, this is why, um, I think it was um, Pastor Brandon who spoke about when people are coming to you as a person, you need to refocus what it is that they're coming to you with. People have an agenda. And we, without the spirit of uh, discernment, get sucked into other people's agendas. Here's what's happening with David. David is chased into the world. This is the king. There's a revolt against David uh, with, 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 um, with his counselor as well. But they've gotten others to buy into this lie. What are we buying into? What are we listening to? We see the same thing um, where the crowd comes against Jesus in Luke 23. When, remember, there was a choice, and they said, no, we'll take Barabbas, crucify him. On what basis? Going with the crowd once again. Verses 2 says, many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. There is no help for him. Now, sometimes the truth of our past sin is used against us. The truth of our past sin is used against us. But remember, like we said, there is repentance in Jesus Christ. And please, repentance talks to the heart. Okay? Repentance talks. There is a hope through repentance in Jesus Christ. Christ, who knew no sin, took on our sin. He was separated from the Father for a time so that we could have access to this forgiveness. Amen? Remember Jesus' words? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's taken on that for us. So the people's reminding us of what it is that we have done and how unworthy we are does not hold true. If through repentance you have accepted that gift. It does not hold true if you just want to stand on your, own and, on your own and say, my past is my past. Okay, We need to take that through our Lord and our Savior. Hebrews 13 verses 5 to 6, um, when we see here that David is saying, many are saying of, of, of him, there is no help for him in God. But Hebrews 13 verses 5 to 6 says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do uh, to me. Before that, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Selah, that is used here, is the precise meaning of it is not known. Some say that it's a pause in Scripture. Good time to meditate on what is happening, what is being said right now. Some say it's almost like a crescendo, raising and, 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 and um, speaking with, with more excitement about what is going on. But like I said, not knowing. 
um, what the truth is behind that. Verses 3 to 4. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. Now, remember he was complaining not so long ago. And here's part of the strategy that, that, that has been given to us in the psalm. He was complaining and the, and the world is against him and the multitudes are against him. But he says here, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. A strong contrast between the complaint versus the assurance in God. Rather than meditating on the problem, he is meditating on God the Father. We can't also assume that the psalmist's own strength here uh, is, is, is in his own where he decides to express his faith in God. His trust rests firmly on his experience with God. When you are in the midst, when you and I are in the midst of the storms that we our focus is based on what we've already done in our closet. We are withdrawing, we're making withdrawals here from the inside. Okay? This is where the intimacy with God comes in. This is a psalm of prayer. What you have deposited in the times when things were good and not so good is what we are going to use when we go through these trials and tribulations. Can you see where he says, I cried to the Lord and he heard me from his holy hill. Both, both of these are past verbs. Okay? He's drawing from those spiritual deposits that, we, that, that, that we're talking about. The poet brings back the memory of uh, such sacred moments in his confession before God. If you look at, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head, he's addressing God. And then he focuses on the congregation to those that are listening to him. I, he has a confession. I have cried to the Lord, and he has heard me from his holy hill. The weapon of his warfare is being released. He sings about God as his shield here. His shield, his all-encompassing shield that is protecting him from left, right, up, down. We, we, we see that what he is declaring is from inside, from what is already deposited with, with, with the word. Because in Genesis 15, 1, this was God's promise to Abraham. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. So the psalmist is drawing from the word here. Um, so God made that promise to the individual, but he also made that promise of being a shield to the nation, Israel. In Deuteronomy 33, verses 29, Blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and your helper and your glorious sword. God promises to be a helper and a protector and a deliverer to the individual, but also to the, uh, to the nation. David, or the psalmist, does not deny that he has issues, that he has problems, that he has 
uh, serious trials and uh, tribulations that he's going through. But he, he, he shifts his focus to the God who is his deliverer. The psalmist, and listen to this, the, psalmer, the psalmist does not have spiritual amnesia. How often do we remember what God has brought us through? In the midst of the trouble that we face now. How often, the very purpose of this book of Psalms, you know when you write in your own diary, so that you can remember what the Lord has done, here we have an account of what the Lord has done, lest we forget. Lest we forget. Here is an account for us to go back to. Do not have spiritual amnesia. The God, has God has brought us through much. The fact that we are sitting here this morning listening to this word of what God has done is God's grace. He's brought us through so, so, so much. Psalm 124 verses 1 says, even when faced with ever-present trials, we fail to remember the faithfulness of God. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Psalm 124 verses 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Verses 5 and 6 says, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me. So David's faith, think about this. Think about where David was with the multitudes coming against him. David's faith allows him to sleep. To sleep. Now, it reminds me of a time where, where, with, with, with my first house where um, people try to break in. And I don't know if, if, if anybody has had that experience where somebody has broken into your home. I wasn't there at the time. Um, but even when I came back, man, to sleep in that place was a problem. Every little sound that I heard, I was up. I needed to go and check. I was never so tired as I was tired in that period of my life. I could not sleep. I think some of the sounds were even in my head. They were being amplified in my head. Isn't that what the enemy does to us? Sometimes what is, what is happening is not so big as what is really happening because God is involved. But this is where our focus needs to be. We are playing this over and over and over and over in our heads, but our focus is not on our shield. Our focus is on the rubble. Our focus is on the rubble and not the shield. Here is a psalm of prayer where God is saying, I am giving you the way out of these. Focus on me. Focus on me. David's sleep is a sleep of faith, of handover, of presumption of what God will do. This is faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Look at what David is doing. This is, this is faith on another level. There are thousands coming against him. He's not in a place of comfort. This is a man who comes from a palace. He's sleeping in the wilderness. He is sleeping is grace. He is sleeping is grace. 
David awakens his mind is switched on to God. How often this morning I, 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 I actually got up and I was busy doing a couple of things and I, I remembered exactly this. I, I actually, okay, I went to go and buy this this morning because I couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't find the last, uh, the, the last one that uh, I had. My wife apparently says I left it at church. Um, so I, I got up this morning and I said, Holy Spirit, please, can you help me find this folder? I need to put all these pages into it. And I got convicted very quickly because I was going into that automatic mindset, taking it for granted that I've even woken up this morning. I've addressed God by not even saying, Lord, thank you for last night. Thank you for this morning. I've gone straight into... Can you give me a flip folder? How God focused are we with our daily lives? Is God the beginning and the end of everything that we are doing? Everything. This is such a practical message for practical daily living within him. David knows how to start his day. David knows how to end his day. In the midst of trouble, he knows where his help comes from. David, similarly to Jesus, puts himself in the hands of the Almighty God, the Father, in the most distressing of times. From the individuals to the masses, we saw that the, 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 the stone-throwing and accusation-throwing uh, Shimei was there pressing into David's life, reminding him about his sin, reminding him about what he has done. The multitudes were coming against him. With Jesus Christ, the one who was without sin, the accusations were coming, the torment was coming, the blasphemy was coming. All of these things he carried for us. Jesus and David walking this path. Freedom, hope, and peace is in faith in the Father. Not in any personal action that we are putting into it. Verses 7 to 8 and, and, and um, moving very quickly along says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the God and salvation belongs, sorry, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. After some struggle, his trust in God is now firmly established. Having reached confidence through faith, he is now able to petition and make his request to God. See here in, in verse 7, he says, save me, O my God, my God, he's invoking his God covenant. Remember, God said, I will be, you will be my people and I will be your God. David is invoking the promises of God. Divine strategy. He also says here, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone and broken the teeth of the ungodly. And this is this is the, with the idea of a ferocious animal um, of prey, a wild beast, um, being rendered useless. 
breaking the jaw, breaking the teeth. They cannot go after their prey anymore. And this is what David says that God has done on his behalf. Yes, the enemy is there, but they've been rendered powerlessly, powerless. Our enemies are there looking at us. The, en the enemy is whispering in our ears that everything is against you right now. But God has broken the teeth of the enemy. God says, I am your God. I will be with you through it. God focus and not problem focused. Deliverance belongs to the Lord and to him only. There is no one else that could help. There is nothing apart from God in which man can trust. There is nothing on this earth that we can put our trust in. Nothing. I think COVID has shown us flames where that is concerned because many of us put our hope in, I have a job, I have finances, I've got A, B, and C can change in the, in the twinkling of an eye. There is nothing we can put our faith in but in God. I love the fact that David keeps responding with supernatural armor. In this case, when he's running from Absalom, remember also how David responded against Goliath. Remember when, Paul's, uh, when uh, Saul said to him, here's my armor, here's my physical sword, here's my shield and all of those things. He could not take on the things of this world to fight a spiritual battle. He, he relied on God's spiritual armor. And, and, and I was just reminded once again, you know, Burns and I pray every morning, and um, I can tell you, I think 99% of the time when, when she is praying, she will specifically mention the spiritual armor of God and cover us with that. Cover us with that. You know, we have a, a time of when we are preparing um, with the spiritual armor, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, putting on the belt of truth, shutting our, our, our feet with the gospel of peace, all in preparation. And then we have times to fight, as David did, with the helmet of salvation, with the shield of faith, and with the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to leave you with this this morning. Now, we had a look at the picture of rubble, we had a picture of just sheer turmoil happening here in our lives. But with God in our lives, our focus is not on what is happening here. Because we have faith in a God of providence. We declare it most mornings here. God is good. We declare it so easily. God is good. But in the midst of this, in the midst of this, do we see God? Do we see God? Or are we focused on the rubble? You see, a God of providence means this. While we're looking at the rubble, God is starting to build a sure foundation. God is starting to build a sure foundation for you and I.
our focus is not on the rubble and the dirt and the breaking down the enemy is saying to you look at all this mess look at all this mess in your life how can God do anything with all this mess like the psalmist our focus is not on those who are against us our focus is on that and he who is for us so this morning believe in the providence of God believe in what God is building in your life we don't know we don't know what the what the end result is going to be I know in our own minds we have the picture like on screen right now where it's all beautiful it all ends up so nice God's way is not our way God's thoughts are not our thoughts but our trust is in a provident God that Lord this is a temporary life my focus is on the eternal I don't know if the end is going to be as this beautiful wall is but Lord I trust you in the midst of this I trust you in the midst of the enemies coming against me that father you know the enemy's jaw is broken the, the teeth have been crushed they might be an ever-present danger but they can do nothing to me they can do nothing to me because you are for me you are God on the throne this morning I'm just gonna pray that God gives us a change of perspective Father, we come to you. We have no other to look to. Father, any focus that we have here on this earth is futile. It's temporary and cannot save us from a sure death. This morning, Lord, we thank you for your word which is inspired we thank you for your reminder through the book of psalms lord that we need to shift our focus not to the mess in our lives but to god in our lives father we have surrendered our lives to you but we need to truly give it all over to you you've said that it's impossible to please you without faith Father, this morning we hand it over to you. We don't want to take it back. Our rest and our faith is in you, Lord. Holy Spirit, minister this message to us. Remind us, may we not have spiritual amnesia. Father, when we are faced with trial and we're faced with tribulation, may we draw from what's on the inside for what you have already done, what you've already taken us through. And we thank you for your word, Lord, that we can draw on even more. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who is our helper, our advocate. Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning who has not surrendered their lives to you father we see how futile 
a life is apart from you. Father, I pray that you quicken their hearts this morning, that they realize the need for you. Because life without you is hopeless. Life without you means nothing. Life without you is living a life without purpose. So Father, I pray that you speak to those hearts this morning. And this morning, if God has spoken to you, even after the service, come, let us pray together. Let's commit your life to the Lord. Don't live another day without Him. Hand yourself over to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because there's safety in the palm of His hand. There's completeness in the palm of His hand. There is rest in the palm of His hand. Father, we thank You for a blessed time in Your presence this morning. We pray, O oh Lord, that You would go with us even as we leave this place. But Lord, that even as we leave this place, our minds would be ever fixed on You. Our focus would be ever fixed on you. May we live lives of just, not just here and now in the confines of this, of this church building where our mind is fixed on you, but show us what it means to walk praying without ceasing and praising without ceasing. Father, we thank you for the blessing that you've bestowed upon us. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. This we pray in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And Rebirth says, Amen and Amen. Thank you, church. Happy spring day once again. We're going to ask that you don't run off, but uh, partake of, uh, of what we have and let's fellowship. Be blessed. Be blessed. Amen. Thank you.